0: Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What's up, you Tennessee Homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, we have got a great show. Lined up. Who for are we it. talking about today, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> the one you've been waiting for, fall camp preview edition. Them Tennessee Vols, brother. So, oh man, spoiler alert! I don't think Shane's gonna have many losses on this yep, schedule. So you
1: may turn it down if you're not a volunteer fan. This may be the quickest pod ever. Let's just say it undefeated. <laughs> Yeah, so we got a great show lined up,
0: Shane. A couple of uh, items right off the top of the list, though. It is obviously football right around the corner. We are just a little over 50, 50 days away from the first SEC game, and we keep getting bombarded with questions. Hey, how do I get my koozie? I'm seeing everybody getting koozies. Same way as always, but we wanted to give you guys a reminder. All it takes, give us a rating and a review on Spotify apple one of those and subscribe on youtube at every single one of you listening to this right now can do that and it won't cost you a dime if you're an apple product user do it on on the apple podcast app if you're a um, android do it on spotify and then just subscribe on youtube let us know screenshot that send it on over via dm we're on twitter We got a Gmail at thatSECPodcast at gmail.com. Let us know you reviewed, subscribed, and we're happy to send you a beer koozie of your choice. We got all 14 SEC teams represented. We're going to have to do 16 here soon, Shade. I keep forgetting Texas and Oklahoma are in the mix. We don't have koozies for them just yet, but we will very, very soon. But that's all it takes, and we mail those to you absolutely free, just our way of saying thanks to all the listeners out there.
1: Absolutely, Mike. And one of my favorite parts is when everybody's got a cold beer in their koozie like me right here. You're at the game, you're tailgating. I've seen them at the beach, Mike. We've seen them at NASCAR races. We've seen them at baseball games, Mike. We've seen them all over the country, and it's always awesome. Sometimes you can't sneak a beer in, but I've seen them hold, you know (laughs) – cokes and and stuff as well so hey again this is nothing this is nothing it took me two seconds to write a review you didn't even got to write a review now mike this is this is how easy it is you just go five star screenshot you ain't got to say nothing (laughs) you know what i'm saying i mean it'd be cool if you did because we i'd like to get back to reading them back in the day that's what we used to do so maybe we'll start doing that again but brother if you if you got a if you got an apple product or, or or an android jump on there give the five star rating Get on YouTube, hit the subscribe, and boom, you got yourself a koozie. And speaking of uh, koozies and drinking, Shane, don't forget, this is an invite to
0: the entire audience. Mm-hmm. We're going to be at Bearded Iris Brewing Saturday, July 15th. That's two days before SEC Media Days in Nashville. Shane's going to be there. I can't uh-huh. believe we're getting Shane to Nashville. Yeah. The flying Hawaiian, coming all the way out from Hawaii And then I'll be there for people to yell at, Shane. (laughs) Bearded Iris Brewing, the address, 101 Van Buren Street, Nashville, Tennessee. That's in Germantown. It's absolutely free. Won't cost you a thing. Just come hang out. Uh, They have, obviously, beer there. And they always have food trucks. So there's going to be food there as well, Shane. It's going to be a great time. We're going to be there from 3 to 6, Saturday, July 15th. And that that is Central Time. I should make that yeah. note shade Nashville Central Time. So three to six, come hang out and just talk some SEC football with us. Yeah,
1: or just just yeah. That's all we want to do is just cut up with you guys, have some jokes, you know, put some names to some Twitter handles. I think it would be pretty cool, you know. Maybe unblock a few of you while you're there. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'll say this, Mike. If if Mike has you blocked right now, if you make it to Bearded Iris, he will unblock you. That is his <laughs> vow. You know, Mike's blocked a lot of people. So but but all serious seriousness, Mike, this is uh the first time we've ever done one of these. I uh, I uh, you know, I'm always getting anxious and nervous. It feels like my 13th birthday party. And I sent all these invites out and I hope my friends show up, you know, <laughs> and it's not just family, even though Mike, I love hanging out with you, of course, but I'd love to see my other family, my other cousins out there that listen to the podcast that, uh, I, that we interact with online Nashville's such a cool little town, man. And, and you don't have to just hang out with us. You got top golf right across the street. Go ahead and set up your appointment, get over there and golf, or, yeah. you know, you can find some sort of, Event. I, I joked about Beyonce's performance. It, there's always something going on in Nashville. Get your wife out. Get your husbands out. Come out, have some fun, and and more importantly, let's drink some beer together. You know what I'm saying, Mike? Oh yeah. And there's tons of
0: restaurants in that area, so I mean, it's it's a good spot. Prime location. Cannot wait. Bearded Irish Brewery again, July fifteenth, three to six Central Time. We're gonna be down there, Shane. But hey, we got some Tennessee balls to get to. But before we do that, Shane. Just had to lead the show off with this because we had some tragedy in the SEC. Thoughts and prayers out uh, there in College Station to defensive line coach Shane Terry Price passed away suddenly. Had no idea, you know, he was dealing with uh, health issues. But, uh, man, this is uh, rare that this happens, Shane, where we have a active coach pass away. But uh, Terry Price been in the SEC a long time. He's been there the entire time under Jimbo Fisher, I, I believe he was there prior to Jimbo Fisher, He's coached at Auburn one of the most respected names in the entire SEC and a, and a big reason why, Shane, that they got that monster defensive line that we're so excited about in College Station this upcoming season is because of Coach Terry Price, who tragically passed away over the weekend.
1: Yeah, my thoughts are out for the family and and, you know, coaches sometimes you know the thing you know sometimes their parents you know sometimes their mentors they have seen they're just more than x's and o's and you can kind of feel that with with the voices of these players that came out after coach price passed you know he he meant more to them than just coaching and uh you know that you know he's he helped shape a lot of boys so um yeah it's just it's just really tragic to hear at such a young age
0: yeah, and I saw this video. This was the there was so many, but this was the best one I saw. Shane from uh, Miles Garrett, of course, the former Texas A and M standout, number one overall pick. This was a video from uh, leading up to his selection you know, as the top pick in the draft, and this is a video he shared out of Coach Price shouting out his journey there from recruit to the NFL. I just thought this was too good not to share with the audience.
2: First of all, I want to say uh, a special thank you, number one, to Miles and his family for having us uh, here today, myself and Coach Chavis. Uh, we couldn't be more excited to celebrate uh, a historic day and a great day. And uh, big thank you, obviously, to the family and to you, big man. We appreciate you having us up here, number one. Number two, uh, as coaches, college coaches, again, we know the recruiting process Three years ago, we had a chance to go anywhere in the country. And you could have chosen anybody, trusted anybody, to take care of you and push you to make sure you can be the best man you can be, the best player you can be, and uh, get a great education. And, and the great thing about tonight is, I think, tonight's a celebration of that. You're on track to get your Aggie ring. It's coming soon, right? right? You want to be the best football player in America, and you are? Uh, Tonight, you will be the first number one overall pick in Texas a and history. I'm not going to talk all day. we got draft going on here in a few minutes. <laughs> but I want to say number one, Miles, I love you. I love your family. Brothers, sisters, I know y'all are here somewhere. I, I, I just can't tell you how much we appreciate you. All right? There's not a better representative for Texas A&M. There's not a better example of what a student athlete should be. Hard work, dedication, nobody outworked you. Nobody's more dedicated to the game, and nobody's more dedicated to Texas A&M than you were. And I just can't tell you how much we appreciate it. So, again, a small token of our appreciation. And I'm going to say that when I picked this up, it was covered the whole time, so I hope it is what I think it is.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> Remember all, the great
0: times we have to now. all right, Shane, so it's tough to move on from that, but we got a fall camp preview to get to, and it's in Tennessee Vols. Mm-hmm. I know you've been waiting for this one, brother. So, uh, as we always do, let's do a quick recap of what happened last season. And I think even the biggest of Tennessee homers, Shane, could not have foreseen an 11-2 season winning the Orange Bowl, beating Clemson, beating Bama, beating Florida, beating LSU, on and on and on. I mean, they just – man, just when you thought Josh Heupel had had reached new heights on Rocky Top, they smashed that, Shane. And I was just looking over some numbers. You know, Tennessee was in such a horrible state with 40-plus players jumping in the portal or graduation or an NFL – from the time Hypel took it over in his first offseason. Yet they turned right around, Shane, and they broke the all-time school record in scoring in his yeah. first season. Well, they shattered that in his second season, Shane. <laughs> Most points ever. It was 511. That was Heupel's first year. Last year, 599. One extra point away from 600 points, Shane. Led the country in scoring in the nation's toughest conference, That is Mm -hmm. no easy feat, but that is something that uh, Josh Heupel and company accomplished last fall on their way to an 11-win season. And Something I saw I I thought I'd share with you, Shane, I love these preseason magazines, and there's a section where it's anonymous coach comments, and one of them says, when Hendon Hooker was healthy, Tennessee was probably the second best team in the entire country last year. And I think that is – you know, I, I think that's a very reasonable thing to say. I, I did. I, I certainly didn't see this coming under Josh Heupel, at least this quickly. Did you?
1: No, no. And and I mean, I, you're looking at last season. If somebody told you at the start of the season, Hey, you're going to lose to South Carolina, and that's going to keep you out of the college football playoffs. I would have said, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what? <laughs> I am all for that. So I, trust me, man, I, I, last year had its ups and downs and uh but a lot more ups and, and especially knowing where this program was you know as a loyal Tennessee Volunteer fan man you know th- that whole you remember the decade of dysfunction shout out to uh who is that Mark make... Nagy shout out to Mark Nagy uh, it was two decades almost, you know. It was a long – it's been – we've been wandering around the desert for a long time. We've gone through coaches. We've had ups and downs, a lot of downs. But, Mike, this was a breath of fresh air. It was finally just going into some sort of game that you were expected to get blown out, and now you got a ball game. Stay, being able to stay in there with them. I mean, that it's just a phenomenal season. So, yes, and and, and it gives us – a uh, hope for the future too, because Josh Heupel is legit, and and I love, I just love Tennessee Vols. Sorry, this is going to be, I know it's going to be one of those people are like Kentucky fans. Don't turn this shit off, you know. They're like, I ain't listening to this no more, you know.
0: Well, you uh, hit on it, Shay. Let's get to the coaching staff. Josh Heupel, forty six and sixteen as a head coach in college football, pretty outstanding record. He was 28 and 8 at Central Florida for 3 seasons, 18 and 8 in his 2 seasons as Tennessee's head coach. Against SEC opponents, Shane, ten and 6, Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt, undefeated 2 and 0 against all of them. LSU 1 and 0, Alabama, Florida, South Carolina's 1 and 1 against each of those. Ole Miss 0 and 1 and Georgia 0 oh, and 2 against top 10 opponents. Shane at Tennessee is 2 and 3. Remember, there was a graphic going around. Hell, Tennessee hadn't beaten a top 10 team in 15 yeah. something years, something crazy like that. Now they're he's damn near 500 against top 10 opponents. Uh, against top 25 opponents, he's 8 and 5. At home, he's 12 and 3. Outstanding record, mm-hmm. 6 and 2 in conference play. Away record not as good, but still a winning record, 5 and 4 overall. 4-4 four four in SEC play and 1-1 uh, one and one in neutral site. But really should have been 2-0. They got robbed in that damn Music City Bowl. I'll, you'll never tell me otherwise. You know what?
1: Absolutely, man.
0: <laughs> but, uh, you know, what does it say about uh, the future, Shane, of Tennessee football? They got Josh Heupel. I think his offense, his play calling, again, underrated before he got to – I mean, the numbers were incredible, but everyone said – well, he can't recruit, not going to be able to do that in the SEC. He smashed all those narratives, and now Tennessee football is fun again. And he's case in point, Shane, and I'm not saying Florida, you know, should turn around here and hire Josh Heupel, but Tennessee is just – they're not going to match Georgia and Alabama right now in talent because – Yeah. Those programs, I mean, the best of the best, and they've they've had such yeah. a such a head start. Tennessee can get there, and they're starting to get there on the recruit trail. But instead of trying to be Georgia and Alabama 2.0, which has failed multiple times at Tennessee and failed multiple times across the SEC, I think you got to do something a little different. And Josh Heupel is proving that that is effective on Rocky Top, and uh, I think that's a big reason a lot of people. Half Tennessee penciled in as a clear, not everybody, but but many as a clear number two in the SEC East right now.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny you mention that because I just watched Moneyball and it's kind of a similar approach. It's like you can't beat the Yankees right now as the A's. You can't beat Boston right now. you got to be different. you got to think outside the box. And that's exactly what Hoppel has brought in here. But he's also kind of set a bar for new coaches. You You look around the landscape of the SEC – you know, the old school time frame was like, hey, let's get a guy in there. Let's let him build a, a roster and maybe three, four years we could start being competitive again. Well, Heupel just escalated that quickly. Coach Kelly down in LSU, it, you know, it's just it's starting to set that that level. So if you're at one of these power, you mentioned Florida, prime example. If you don't get that ball rolling quicker than not, they're looking around, say, well, LSU did it. Well, Tennessee did it. Why can't we do it? So I think that's the the big thing is he's just kind of changed the landscape of what's expected for uh, new coaches in the SEC. Right. And I
0: think, um, you know, you also have to credit, Shane, the outstanding fan base that has been supporting this program through, hell, they call it, like you said, the decade of dysfunction. They were still showing up with some awful football from, from awful coaches Yet the passion was there, the intensity was there. It's like a powder keg. It was ready to explode. They needed leadership. They changed leadership at the top of the of the school. And that was how they identified Josh Heifel, obviously. And and it just it's like all the pieces have come together. And now in the NIL world, transfer portal world, Tennessee is in a prime prime position to take That's advantage right. of the current rules. And hey, They've only done it one year, Shane, at, at an incredibly high level. But there's this is why there's reasons to believe because of the leadership, because of hypo, because of the recruiting, the NIL, and the offense, and the quarterback play. There's every reason to believe that Tennessee can stay a talk, the uh, uh, among the the elite in the SEC in college football.
1: Don't you think? Yeah, man. Well, it's it, it all boils down to money money and fandom. And and that's one of the unique things about Tennessee is this is it, you know, it's, I mean, yeah, there's the Titans out in Nashville and there's the Atlanta Braves down there, but it's like, there's nothing else in East Tennessee next to Dollywood, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're going to get season tickets to both. You know what I'm saying? These guys are ready to spend some money to make this program good. And that's what, that's kind of the, the next chapter of college football is all about the deeper pockets and, you know, we're ready to spend it.
0: Yeah. No, and I think that's, again, that's why we're so fired up about Tennessee football here, Shane, in the future under Josh Heupel. So let's get to the returning production for the Vols, starting with the offensive side of the football. 57% of last season's production is back. That ranks 11th among all SEC offenses. Joe Milton leading the way, 23.6% of the passing yards. Uh, Milton had 971 passing yards last year. But here's where the balls really shine. Chain 80.9% of the rushing yards. Top three running backs are all back, led mm-hmm. by Jalen Wright and his 875 yards. And remember, Tennessee actually ran the ball more than they passed last year. That's something not a lot of people are realize. Mm-hmm. Receiving yards 48.7% return. Brew McCoy led the way with 667. He's primed for a big breakout season. We've got three offensive linemen back with starting experience, and we'll get to some transfers. They brought in some transfers as well. So, uh, you know, middle of the road towards the bottom in in returning production, but there are a lot of pieces on this offense with a lot of promise. And as long as Josh Heupel is running the ship down there, uh, you just got to have confidence that the offense is going to be one of the best in the SEC.
1: Yeah, absolutely, uh, and I don't like to steal those cliches, plug and play, but that's kind of what hoppel has been able to do the last couple of seasons as he's building the roster of of talent he's brought in. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't I don't think any ball fans are, are too worried here about the return production. Uh, well, maybe quarterback. I mean, we're going to get to that here in a second. But other than that, Mike, it's it's yeah, we're we're able to just bring pieces in and they're going to start contributing immediately,
0: right. Now, here's where Tennessee, I think, is a lot better than people realize, Shane, and that's on the defensive side of the ball. 69% of the defensive production is returning, fifth most in the SEC. Uh, their top four tacklers from last season are all back. 78.9% of the sacks from last season are back. 81.8% of the interceptions are back. So, this is a very deep defense of talented across the board particularly on the defensive line and uh in the defensive backfield i know they got shredded in a couple games but they they essentially bring nearly everybody back into defensive backfield and sign many top defensive backs to come in and and kind of bolster that group so i think this is going to be the best defense we've seen yet in the josh heupel era
1: yes and and again it's not We don't need shutouts, you know. We just need slowdowns. Slow them down, bend up, but don't break. And and that was the problem with Tennessee last year was that competitive depth. And it feels like you brought a lot of those guys back and then you added to it.
0: Right. Now, the transfer Shane, let's get to that. They had a couple guys leave the program, not a lot of them uh, huge impact players. And you kind of get that indication based on where a lot of these guys are headed. But uh, I was pretty surprising. It was just a couple weeks ago, defensive lineman Dejon Terry left. He went to Oklahoma. So, yeah. I think that, that could be a little bit of a loss. Oklahoma, obviously, a, a proud program. Uh, Leneath Whitehead, the running back, uh, I don't believe he played much at all last year. But he's at Georgia now. So, clearly, a very talented, bruiser-type running back. If you're at Georgia, you got talent. Yeah. Uh, those are kind of the, the two biggest losses, Shane. It, one that uh, I think is a little under the radar because of who we got coming in, but uh, quarterback Taven Jackson, he was an Elite 11 guy. He was just on campus one year. He transferred out to Indiana. Our depth at quarterback's not great. Uh, running back Justin Williams was a touted recruit. He's left already to Colorado. Amarni McNeil, defensive lineman, transferred out to go play for Dion. so who knows what's up with that. And uh, th- that's pretty much it among impact players. They-, they did lose a couple receivers, Shane. Jimmy Holiday left, but he went to Western Kentucky. Yeah. Walker Merrill left. He went to Wake Forest. And Jimmy Calloway left to go to Louisville. So the Jimmies are gone. But I- I'll get to the receivers in a minute. It's To me, it's more about depth. There could be a little bit of an issue with losing three guys. But, again, no one I just mentioned here is going to make or break the Vols this year. You know what?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something about that holiday kid. I just kept waiting for him to hit, you know, and it just never, never came to fruition. So I wish him all the best, obviously, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I felt in the age of the portal that we did pretty good here, Mike.
0: Right. And so let's focus on the guys incoming Shane, like we love to do. And I, I like to go in order of the guys that I think will have the biggest impact for the upcoming season. And for me, Shane, it starts with. He,
1: he does this, so I don't ask him now, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's funny how I just kind of mold the show. <laughs>
0: John Campbell, the offensive lineman from Miami. He was the left tackle yeah. for the hurricane starter last year, Shane. And I've, I've started listing sizes because I know you love that. Six foot five, 320 pounds. Oof. So I don't yeah. know. I think they're assuming he's going to come in and plug in right away at, as one of the left. As one of the starting tackles, John Campbell. So I I think he's obviously going to have a big impact. Receiver Dante Thornton from Oregon, six mm-hmm. foot five, two hundred pounds, very very fast player. But anytime you got six foot five and speed, that's something. Yeah. He he had yeah. 20, 26 catches, five hundred forty three yards, three touchdowns in his brief time at Oregon. In and,
1: and a terrible quarterback. So. <laughs> <laughs> ah, just kidding just kidding you bow lovers
0: but it, it sounds like uh you know that's one shane where they're they have a very very high confidence level and i, I think they
1: that's they, that's what they, you do with milton you go out you guess some six five receivers <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's
0: hard to overthrow someone who's seven feet tall You
1: know
0: I mean? <laughs> linebacker from byu shane this guy's gonna be an instant impact keenan peely he was a Team captain up there at BYU. Wow. 190 tackles, 11 tackles for loss, three sacks. So I think he's an instant starter. They they added his teammate, Shane, a corner, Gabe Judy Lolly, also from BYU. And before that, mm-hmm. he spent some time at Vanderbilt under Derek Mason. 46 tackles, seven pass breakups just last season for BYU. They needed help at tight end. They got it from a Cal Poly uh, tight end named McCallan Castles. Shaney he was a second-team all-conference last year, 734 yards receiving, six touchdowns in two seasons at Cal Poly. Uh, they, they added another offensive lineman from Texas, Andre Carrick, 6'5", mm-hmm. 306 pounds just for you, Shane, <laughs> 26 appearances, two starts at Texas. So I don't know if he'll be as instant impact as John Campbell, but any depth on the offensive line we're going to celebrate. Uh, they added defensive lineman Omar Norman Lott from Arizona State. Shane, 6'3", three, 300 pounds, mm-hmm. uh, 45 tackles, seven tackles for loss, four sacks at Arizona State. And finally, a kicker, Charles Campbell from Indiana. He's 39 of 51 in his career, kicking field goals at Indiana, and he was 14 of 20 last season. So they they need someone to come in and fill that kicker position they signed a recruit. Now they got a transfer. Let those guys battle it out and and see who comes out on top.
1: BYU boys tired of that nine o'clock curfew, aren't they? <laughs> uh, Join Knox Vegas.
0: <laughs> now as for recruiting, Shane again, this is what I was saying. It's picking up under Heiple. They signed the number ten recruiting class in the country, number four in the SEC. And, of course, it's led the way by the five-star quarterback, Nico (laughs) Ilamavalea. I still don't know if I got it. I don't think I got it. But depending on what service you're looking at, Shane, number one or number two quarterback prospect in the country. I believe On3 Sports had him as the number one overall prospect, not quarterback, prospect in the country. And several, Shane, four-star prospects that could have an impact right away for the Vols. And I'm looking at Cam Seldon, who – yeah. I think he's going to be kind of like a your your Debo Samuel type play all over the field, starting him at running back, even though we got a loaded running back room. I, I think that's more just to get him on the field right away. Davin Hobbs, defensive lineman, he was the number seven defensive lineman in the country, number seven tight end Ethan Davis, who got banged up in the spring game. Still, I'm not sure how how long he's going to be out, but if he's healthy, he'll play. Number eleven linebacker in the country, Aaron Carter. Number 13 receiver in the country, Nathan Leacock. Number 14 edge defender, Caleb Herring. Number 18 corner, Jordan Matthews. Number 20 edge defender, Shardarian Bradley. And this one, again, for you, Shay. Number 17 interior offensive lineman, Shamarad Umarov. Six foot five, 317 pounds. We got to get him on <laughs> the field. You know what?
1: Golly, these boys. I tell you what, it it still blows my mind. One year ago, these guys were in high school. You know what I'm saying? Just eating some poor kid's lunch. (laughs) I used to do this, man. When we'd be practicing right before the kickoff, I'd be looking over there seeing who I'm going to get. It was always the biggest bastard. You I was like, damn, it's going to be another long game.
0: (laughs) I know you love Juco. We also signed one junior college guy that – Maybe he'll see the field because again may need him, offensive tackle Shane, number five junior college offensive lineman Larry Johnson, six foot six, three hundred forty pounds. If nothing else, Shane, we're adding some beef on this to, to, to see who Cousin <laughs> Shane's gonna be lining up against to put that fear of God into him on the sideline.
1: You know what? I love it, man. His daddy played football up there at Penn State too, <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> you remember him? Yeah. Oh, golly, he was a hell of an athlete. Yep. All right, Shane,
0: let's get to uh, uh, the offensive uh, side of the ball, rating the position groups. Curious to hear what you think of of my rankings here, Shane. But, you know, as I was doing this, again, I'm not hitting the panic button, clearly. We're high on Tennessee. But as I'm looking at the offense, Shane, I I don't want to say we're thin, but at some positions we kind of are. And maybe thin is the wrong word, but maybe just – Inexperienced at some positions is kind of the better word. So mm-hmm. I think for me running backs are clear in a way the best overall position group with Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, Dylan Sampson, three young players that can get it done. Cam Seldon, the freshman, Deshaun Bishop, another freshman. We go five deep with talented running backs. Uh what do you think about that? Running backs number one on yeah. the board for the Vols?
1: Yeah, I think so, too, uh, because, again, depth. You know, you're, you're talking Selden and impact. He's number four on this chart. So right. th- this this room is loaded, is talented. And say what you want, Hoppel's offense goes through that running attack just as well as the as the passing game. So, yeah, these guys are going to get plenty of opportunity. And, and I wouldn't say by far, but I would definitely put them at the number one spot here.
0: Yeah, let me ask you about that real quick, Shane, because you mentioned it, uh, Cam Seldon. He looked fantastic in the spring game for what that's worth, but I I was hearing the buzz all spring, so I don't think this was a one-off by any means. But considering how deep they are at running back, any surprise that he – that's kind of the position they chose for him? Or in my Mm -hmm. mind, Shane, I I read that again as it's much easier to get a running back on the field than a receiver, particularly in this offense – uh, right away because of everything that goes into it and i'm not saying he can't be a receiver because i think again i think you put him all over the field but i think when you bring in someone of this caliber cam Seldon, i'm talking about here and you just in today's college football you just can't sit a guy he like yeah he has to get on the field we have to get him touches and probably the quickest way to do that even if he's not going to be a starter and, and not even the backup but you can still find ways to get him in. Maybe you know, maybe put multiple running backs on the field at the same time. What, what's your thoughts about him starting out at running back?
1: Yeah, I mean, when you look at this receiver core, you know, a lot of these guys is 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 players that Milton worked with. Because you got to remember, he wasn't a starter. So a lot of times, you know, some of these other these younger kids that are coming up are ones that he worked with in practice. So I think that's. I think he hit the nail on the head. You you want to get the best eleven out there, and if you got a freak athlete like that, that maybe can't grasp the playbook immediately, or you know, I mean, running route trees is not something you could just do. You can't go from high school to college. I mean, it a few few athletes are able to to master that art. I mean, look how many kids are really good in college, and then you know, two years in the NFL before you start seeing them do anything. It's just there's there's this natural transition, mm-hmm. but running back you can put them in there and they can get immediately involved in the offense. So I think that's what we're doing here, Mike, is we're, we're going to, we're going to orchestrate a few plays to get one of our best players out there that can just, I mean, it's just magical. I mean, I say what you want. I know it's spring and I try not to overreact, but damn, I came away from that spring game to just ecstatic about this kid. And I can't wait to see him on the field.
0: Yeah. So next we have the receivers and, To the point, Shane, that I was trying to make, I mean, not saying that, uh, you know, not that they don't rotate guys in and out, but the way they run their fast-paced tempo scheme, you know, you kind of have to leave the same receivers on the field for the entire drive. You can't be running them in and out because then that takes away from your advantage of of tempo and and running. But we got at least three guys that we know we can count on, and I'm talking Brew McCoy, who I think Mm -hmm. is poised for a huge breakout, Squirrel White, who, to your point, had that great connection with Joe Milton late in the season. They they were uh, clearly on the second team, but when they got their moment, they shined. Ramel Keaton, steady Eddie there, very, very good player. Maybe yeah. the best catch of last season against Florida. So we got three guys I think we can really count on, and that does not even count Dante Thornton, the, the transfer from Oregon, who I think will be a starter because I think he's going to be that good. Now, behind them, Shane, we got some talented guys that just have not proven themselves yet. But I know the staff loves these guys. Chaz Nimrod and Caleb Webb, both sophomores. And then Nathan Leacock was a guy they found. I think he was like a two-star, Shane, and then he finished damn near a five-star. He was that talented. Yeah. So uh, Nathan Leacock, the true freshman. So that, I think receivers for me is is second. in. you know, a lot of teams got five, six, seven, eight, receivers they really like but for whatever reason and and I guess because of this system at Tennessee it's just hard to play that many guys so if you got six seven guys you can count on I, I think that's more than enough
1: yeah I think when you're looking at this roster if you're talking which which group has the highest ceiling that's these guys I I really do think there's a lot of just natural raw talent that maybe hasn't quite I mean there's been flashes of Squirrel, there's been flashes of uh, Keaton, there's been you know, Bruce, he, he is our steady Eddie, I, I I think he's, like you, I think he's going to have a hell of a season but you know, some of these other names you know, kind of question marks but if they figure it out, which I truly think they will in this hopple system, they, they'll they be the next superstar to come through campus the next, you know, player to get drafted in the NFL, so yeah, that's that's kind of what Tennessee is creating here, is a, is a revolving door for these receivers receivers to come in and launch themselves into the NFL.
0: Right. Cause you got to remember at this point in time last year, Shay, Jalen Hyatt was a guy we were just sitting here saying, well, he's quick. Yeah. What, you know, what else can he do? And he just won the Belinda cough as the, the nation's best receiver. Seriously. So this is an offense primed for breakout candidates. Uh, next, I got quarterback Shay, Joe Milton, of course, and Nico, the freshman, but that's it, Shane. I mean everyone else is a is walk on. Uh Gaston Moore, who looked good in the spring game, Navy Schuler, legendary uh bloodline there on campus. So
1: uh I mean if got forbid- just followed me on Twitter. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. There was somebody posted something the other day. They said who was the your quarterback? Who was the quarterback when you first started when you fell in love with college football? Uh-huh. And uh mine was he shuler man i i i'll never forget having a shuler jersey me and my brother going out we, i was always heath you know that's just that's who it was naturally i didn't mold into that quarterback but you know <laughs> doesn't take away that he was one of my favorite players yeah uh, so any concern though that
0: i mean our backup is a true freshman and i mean both these guys run i mean let's not sit here and, and wonder about injuries or anything like that but you know, we look at some of these rosters and we say, oh, Ole Miss got five quarterbacks. LSU's got three quarters. You know, and then here yeah. we go, Tennessee, we got two. And and neither one of
1: them is a certainty to be to be good this year. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, well, and you word it that way, Mike – I mean, how many quarterbacks you really need? Just one, one good <laughs> yeah. one. So, I mean, the fact we have two, maybe we have more than we need. So, uh, yeah. Mike, I, I'm with you here. I mean, obviously, but how many game? How many? How many teams have you watched that that went through three quarterbacks before the end of the season? So, mm. I'm not hitting the panic button by no means. I think I, but it is kind of intriguing this room because we don't know what it's going to look like at the end of the season. So there, there is a lot of question marks here, and there's the hype train's building up for Milton, and I, th- I think this is a good room. And if they had more depth, I guarantee it would have been higher up your list here. Well, let me ask you real quick, because we, you
0: know, we don't need to sit here and litigate Joe Milton and his past and everything, but it seems like everywhere at Michigan, there was incredible hype. The year one under Hypel, ton of hype. Now we're seeing him at the Manning Passing Academy. Apparently, he's the star of the event and throwing a football 300 yards, whatever he can do and you know, they're just loving him down there. Uh do do you, do you like the hype? Do you do you think he needs to go out there and earn the hype or I don't know. What just what's your thoughts on that cuz cuz I just sitting sitting back. I'm trying not to be pessimistic. This is a Pro Vol show on this episode, yeah. but um I don't know, Shane. I mean, has he done enough to to garner all this hype?
1: Well, probably not. But, I mean, what he owns is the pieces to be one of the the best quarterbacks in the country, Mike. Yeah. And and I, I probably would have pumped the brakes if I didn't see that Clemson game. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of us, myself included, was a little hesitant about that game because we thought, hey, this the lights are on don't you know is he going to is he going to panic is he going to overthrow is he going to go back to kind of his 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 traits you know and he didn't he looked like a new quarterback he looked like a hell of a quarterback yep. and i think that gave me pause going into this season so does it warrant him going to all these shows and stuff probably not but as a vol fan i love it because he is one of the best ambassadors of our university you know what i'm saying he's the mm-hmm. one Out there. He is the face of Tennessee right now, and right now things are good.
0: Right. And I would say, Shane, with the coach, with the offense, with the players around him, if he does not have, you know, he doesn't have to win the Heisman, but if he doesn't have a really good season, that's on him. And he's just not a good player. And you know what, Shane? They got one behind him that he may not be ready to take over and be lead Tennessee to an SEC championship is year one but i but everything i've heard they they've got one hell of a quarterback behind them so i th- i think they'll have an answer one way or another uh i i think they're going to have good quarterback play late in the season I,
1: I think they will too mike but again back to how we started this show Tennessee has got it through things a little bit differently than than Georgia the, or a team like Alabama or even LSU man mm-hmm. you know this isn't this isn't one that we that we've got a handful of five stars just dying to get into our school. So unorthodox, but let's have some fun, man. That's kind of the way it, is, it feels. It's it's like grip and rip. Let's run fast, you know, let's have fun, and then start putting people in the NFL. You know, that draft, I think, was the biggest one. You're taking kids, like you said, that had no name, and now all of a sudden they're a first-round pick. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's the beauty of what Tennessee can, can do for some of those kids that are, are just looking to have some fun, man, you know? Right.
0: And as I sit here and just think about it, Shane, it's just funny how college football can work. And I don't want to sit here and compare Georgia and Tennessee too much because they're so different. But remember when Kirby got that job, Jacob Eason was the savior. And he yeah. was going to lead us to glory, the five-star. He had the arm. He's going to be the next Matt Stafford. He goes down. Some kid named Jake Fromm. Wins back to back to back East titles. First season leads them to a <laughs> national championship appearance. Uh, you, you know, Jalen Hurts comes out of nowhere to to be a star at Alabama. He did not win the job out of camp, but the the guy they did name the starter, Blake Barnett, was awful. They so, so it's just weird how things play out. Uh, Justin Fields was going to be the next yeah. one at Georgia, and then. You just never know, man. Then it was Stetson Bennett. Now he's the all-time best Georgia quarterback of all time, according to many. I mean, no <laughs> one saw that coming. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> exactly. You just – you never know when, when it's going to happen. And, and and we could sit here and we, we talked Milton. We could talk Nico. It could be the same thing. You know, put Nico on a pedestal and then – you know what if it doesn't work out what if joe milton is legit you know i mean there's what ifs that's that's the beauty of this game Mm -hmm. it it only takes a couple of saturdays to figure out if you've got anything or not
0: yep all right so next position group jay sorry for that going off the rails there no it's okay (laughs) offensive line again we're bringing back three guys with starting experience cooper mays i think he's very very solid Javante Spragans, another great piece to build around. And then Gerald Mincy, no guarantee he'll be a starter, but plenty of starting experience to tackle. Mm -hmm. Players were returning with experience. Dane Davis, Ollie Lane, J.J. Crawford. Young players that could step up. Addison Nichols, uh, that sham God, the the huge guy. And then uh, Jackson Lampley, he's been around a little while, so I I believe he's a senior, so not a young guy. But then transfers, John Campbell, Andre Carrick, the guy from Texas, and, and the one from Miami. And then the junior college, Larry Johnson. So tons of pieces. They really need to figure out the five to move forward with. So that, that's kind of why they're further down my list, just because I, I just threw a lot of names at you. You can, obviously you can only play five of them. Yeah. Um, and I have no idea, aside from uh, Cooper Cooper Mays and Javante Spragans, I think they're the little ones that are certain needs to be in the starting lineup as fall. Well.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and Cooper couldn't stay healthy either. So, I mean, right. there this is I don't want to I guess I'll go ahead and tip it. This is my camp question right here, man. The burning mm-hmm. question is c- can this offense get together cuz you lost a lot of good pieces last year, man, including a first round pick that literally kept your quarterback upright the entire game. So, right. you know, I, that's, that's tough to replace with one guy, you know? And so they've got several that have left. So yeah, this is my, my burning question is how quick do these big uglies get it together?
0: Now, uh, continuing the camp theme, Shane, I, I think I just have something against tight ends or something, but I, they're last here on my go. list here. Jacob Warren, Charlie Brewer, who was at central Florida under uh Heupel. Uh the transfers, mcallen Castles, and then the freshman, Ethan Davis. So there's talent, but it's inexperienced, it's unproven, and I guess I just hate tight ends.
1: Yeah. One second. Let me mute the flying Hawaiian here. <laughs> he's already pumped up about the bearded Iris. <laughs> Hasn't even told his boss he's gonna be gone <laughs> that week. <laughs> Uh, Mike, I I'm, I'm with you here. Tidy and again, not a pivotal spot for, for the balls, but again, a position I'd like to see get more involved. And that, like you, like you said, they're, they're unproven, but there there is a lot of talent in that room.
0: Right. And with this offense, you can get a lot of production. I mean, fan remember he was, it was basically like, I didn't think he could play college football and yet under Heupel
1: Fant was a love-hate relationship, wasn't he? But, well, I'll he, let you know. Every He, he, he just scored. A, I mean, he was a big piece yeah. of that team last year. Yeah, he was. Hell, yeah. He made some key key spots. And then he, he was got back there as running back, you know? So, I right. mean, the, the kid did everything he could for Tennessee Vols, and that's why I'll always be indebted. Uh, to fat, but like I said, me and him, we had a we had a love hate relationship. Sometimes, <laughs> like how the hell did you drop that? You know, and then he scores scores a touchdown. I'm like, man, I love that guy. You know, <laughs> he even threw a touchdown if you remember. Absolutely, Shane. absolutely. Oh, you let me know definitely when that
0: happened. <laughs> All right, so defensive side of the ball, Shane. I think our strongest position group, defensive line, bringing back. Nearly everybody. Uh, Tyler Barron's a great player. Omari yeah. Thomas, he's in consideration for the best player on the team, in my opinion. Uh, Roman Harrison's back. Bryson Eason's back. Got the young guys, uh, Joseph, uh, Joseph, Joseph, Joshua Josephs, James Pierce, Tyree West, and then Dominique Bailey and Karat Garland still on the squad. Uh, Omar Norman Lott, the transfer from Arizona State we mentioned, and then two outstanding freshmen, Davin Hobbs, Caleb Herring, we got too many guys to get on the field here, Shade. But I love it. This is the position more than just about any you'd, you'd rather be deep as a defensive line.
1: This is the one that's got us in trouble in years past. Is just not being deep enough. You yeah. know, you, you'll do good at the start of the game, and then all of a sudden they start wearing down. And and when that happens, it, it, it starts to show with 10, 15 yard runs against us. So I love that this group is not only talented but just deep.
0: Right, and they just didn't get enough credit, Shane, for uh, stuff in the run like they did. I mean, hell, Alabama yeah. couldn't run. And that was a big reason why they beat Alabama was this defensive line at, last year. I
1: mean, pull up the running backs they went against. Man, they went against some dogs last year, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's that's sometimes you're not brought up when things aren't you know like if if it's a quiet day at the at the rushing front, they're not saying, well, look at those defensive linemen, you know. But nope. you start getting these gapping runs, it's like, oh man, look at this missed tackle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like you only point me out when I'm doing
0: bad. Yep. Oh, and then here's, I think this will be a surprise to a lot of people, Shane. Defensive backs next on my list. I know they get a bad rap, but there's some talent back there. So there's a ton of experience. Jalen McCullough's back. Brandon Turridge, who's been SEC Player of the Week before. Warren Burrell, Christian Charles, Kamal Haddon, Terry McDonald, Deshaun Rucker, DeNico Slaughter, the transfer from BYU, Gabe Judy Lolly. And then the freshman, Shane, Jordan Matthews. He was the top corner out of Louisiana. Ricky Gibson, top corner at Alabama, and Christian Conyer, top overall player, I believe, out of the state of Kentucky. So they have injected some potential high-end talent. I don't know if these freshmen will be ready ready year one, but uh, at least to start. But if they can contribute and make some plays back there, I think we're going to see a much better secondary out of the Vols this year.
1: Yeah, me too, man. This is probably the one I'm most excited about just by what we were able to do in the offseason. We really addressed some needs here, so I like this room.
0: So that means linebackers last on my list. Shame, not a very deep group here, but there's talent. Aaron Beasley, he showed yeah. up big time last year. He could be one of the best players on the team. Elijah Herring, a young guy. Uh, Kwaz Garland is back. Caleb Perry's a solid player. And then the transfer from BYU, Keenan Peely. They also had another one, Caleb Williams from Liberty. And then big-time player here, Shay, number 11 linebacker in the country, Aaron Carter. He's going to be making plays. They also added Jalen Smith and Jeremiah T. Lander, two more freshmen that uh, will probably play in some capacity for the Vols' defense this year.
1: Yeah, and, and if you were to pick, like I, I think I've said this like, on four of them here. It's like linebackers is this is the order you want, in my opinion, defensive linemen, DBs, then linebackers. So I think we're good here. But again, we've got a lot of unproven here. This is probably my camp question on the defense side is, is who's the new names that step up, you know?
0: Right. Now as for specialists, a little bit of a mystery here, Shane. Again, we added the kicker from Indiana, uh, Charles Campbell. And then the punter, Jackson Ross. One guess, what country is he from, Shane? Australia. Yay. <laughs> uh, they produce, uh, you know, stout beer and punters in Australia, apparently. is That's their two biggest imports. You know
1: what? First beer I ever bought. You remember that, Mike? Foster's? Uh, yeah. I, I turned, <laughs> when I turned 21... Remember them giant Foster beer cans? <laughs> yeah. They look like kegs. So I went to the gas station, 21, got my ID, burning in a hole in my pocket. Just can't wait for him to ask for it, you know. I get to Foster, I check out, she didn't even card me. I was like, damn it, you know. I was like, aren't you curious how old I am? She goes, no, you look good. <laughs>
0: All right, Jay, top ten Vols as rated by the NCAA video game if it was out this fall. I've said this before, I I think it caught you a little off guard. I'm going Cooper Mays, 92 overall. I think he's a Mm -hmm. great center. Uh, But I'm also giving a 92 to Omari Thomas, a defensive lineman. So, I love the fact that, uh, at least in my opinion, the top two players are on the line of scrimmage. Brew McCoy, I'm giving him a 91, the receiver. I think he's primed for a big breakout year. Uh, Javonta Spragans at right guard, also giving him a 91. Tyler Barron, the defensive lineman, giving him a 90. So, very strong here in the line of scrimmage. Aaron Beasley, the linebacker, giving him an 89. That's also what I'm giving Joe Milton, Shane, 89 with the potential to get a lot higher. Uh, Jalen Wright, running back, 88. Squirrel White, receiver, 87. And a little wild card here, Shane, Nico, 86. So, that's pretty high for a true freshman, but not far off from Joe Milton. Because that—that's just the caliber I think Nico is. Not to say he's pushing for the starting job, but I—I um, I think I think he deserves that.
1: Yeah. Did you think about putting Keaton up here? I mean, how close you, is he to making the list? Uh,
0: honestly, yeah, not in my top ten, but uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think he's going he's gonna to put up some numbers in this offense for sure. Yeah,
1: I, I really do. I, th- I think he's one of the breakouts, in my opinion, man. People aren't talking enough about him. But, yeah, I was just curious if he was close to making your top ten.
0: I like how I put two receivers in the top. He said, well, what about the third one? What the hell here? Because this is going to be a three-headed
1: monster, <laughs> man, you know. So, all right, I get you. All right, biggest
0: camp questions for me, Shane. You already tipped a hand on yours. So what, offensive line, certainly. But for me, it's all about Joe Milton, and it you know it's not that simple, but we've made it that simple this off season. Can he handle the hype? Can he handle leading this team? Because again, eight and four, that's going to be a I would think a big disappointment for for a lot of all fans. We they just won eleven games. They're expecting to yeah. compete for championships, and again, we'll we'll see if Joe Milton can get him there. But that's kind of the biggest question mark I have. Uh, as well as that secondary, how will that all shake out? Uh, what's on the top of your list?
1: Yeah, offensive line is a big one. I mean, I mean, you could talk about running backs. You could talk about Joe Milton all you want. But if they're constantly being bombarded by defensive linemen, then, then we're in trouble. So I, I want to see who steps up. How deep this roster is, and, and and just I guess new names. You know, I kind of talked about that with the linebackers, which kind of leads into this: is is we're gonna in this system we're gonna have some players that popped up you've never heard of, and and then at the end of the year they're gonna be household names. And I think that's gonna come from this offensive line.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Schedule breakdown. I know we love this part: win, loss, or toss. That's what we call it here, Shane. I'm going to break down Tennessee's schedule. And I see a lot of games that should be wins. And, again, we are doing this as Tennessee homers. Pretend.
1: We're pretending to be Tennessee (laughs) homers.
0: What Tennessee fans (laughs) are anticipating is they're looking down the schedule. You let me know if I'm wrong on these, Shane. But right out the gate, Virginia, it's in Nashville. That Mm -hmm. should be a win. Do you agree?
1: Should be a win. Absolutely, yeah.
0: they're like twenty-eight point favorites. I mean, come on, Austin P. Yeah. pick your score type game. Should be a win.
1: Austin Pats, I told you, <laughs> Joe can literally throw football from Nealon <laughs> to Austin P. So uh, yeah, win, win here.
0: Now I had no idea, Shade. I I don't. This is not changing my opinion of this team or anything. But I got one of these college football preview magazines, and they have yeah. UTSA as a preseason top 25 teams so apparently this is a whatever division they're in it's probably the best team from that division still Nealon stadium give me a break it should be a win but maybe that's one we need to take a little bit more seriously that should be a win though right
1: yeah I don't, yeah of course it is you know how serious you want to take it mike i seriously need to get this game over by halftime you know what i'm saying so no this is a win
0: all right, South Carolina at home, revenge game, Neyland yeah. Stadium. Last time they came into Neyland Stadium, they got
1: destroyed. That should be a win. Agree or disagree? Dude, it should be a win. There's, This is the bullseye, man. I think they got six, five, what is this, week five? They're looking for South Carolina here. Yes, mm-hmm. they've got this penciled in as a win. I mean, just look on Twitter. Top in should South Carolina beat Tennessee, or should Tennessee is Tennessee going to beat South Carolina? And just sit back and watch them fight. Every Vol fan knows it's a win. South Carolina thinks differently, but we're yep. doing this as Vol homers, so give me a win here. Or better yet, Shane,
0: just go on my timeline anytime South Carolina <laughs> or Tennessee is referenced; it's nothing but the other fans.
1: If you if you pulled other. if you pulled my muted conversation, <laughs> it typically involves one of two bases fan bases (laughs) it's south carolina or it's kentucky these guys they're just back and forth they're like it's chum
0: in the water you know what i'm saying yep well speaking of kentucky shane they're also on my list even though it's in lexington i don't think there's any tennessee fans that expect anything less than a win against the kentucky wildcats agree
1: or disagree oh i totally agree man that's Honestly, Mike, that's why they started serving beer, getting them ready, you know, to lick them wounds. So, yes, got me a win here.
0: All right, at Missouri, we, we're very high in Missouri. Wait, you could, missed,
1: uh, missed uh, UConn here.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I yeah I just overlooked UConn because, of course, that's a win. So, UConn win, right? And then at Missouri, yes, we're very high in Missouri. Defense could be great, could be elite this year. But I still think Tennessee fans anticipate going to Columbia, coming back with a win. Agree? I agree. And then last but not least, Vanderbilt, yes, of course. I mean, that that's almost a pick-your-score type game, even though they get two weeks to prepare for the balls this year, which kind of makes that a little tricky.
1: Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> they have all year to prepare. That should be a win.
0: All right, so I got a couple toss-ups, Shane. I wonder if any of these will surprise you, and, and feel free to disagree with any of these. At Florida, I think that is a toss-up for Tennessee. Thoughts on that one?
1: Disagree. Mm. I mean, as a Vol homer, I get it. I get it. You look at the history, jump on Winsipedia if it wants. If you want to blow your mind or how many times Florida's kicked Tennessee's ass. Yep. But we're talking like a, a small – yes, last year it got a little tight – But I do believe that Tennessee grew from that game. And I do think that if you ask any Vol fan right now, they are not scared of the Florida Gators. Now, me, yeah, okay, I get it. I've been hurt. Those 20 years, those hurt when Florida was beating the shit out of us, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes you're thinking about, well, this is is the year that we beat them and, and how many times you go home with your head down, you know? I get that. And that's probably why you put Toss here because you've been hurt. I get it. But going into this season, if you truly ask yourself, should Tennessee beat Florida? The answer is yes, definitely a yes. So that's my out of all this list, Mike. That's the only one I disagree with you. You you basically I, hate, to, I hate them the, Gators as a pretend <laughs> Tennessee Homer. All right, calm down. Florida's going to get their their chance. All right, you basically just guaranteed the Gators will
0: win that one. All right. So a and I also, even though it's at home, I have that as
1: a toss-up. Agree or disagree? Uh, I, I agree. I agree with this one, Mike. Toss-up here. This one, uh, I, you know, I think if you poll Vol fans, majority of them are going to say this should be a win. But, but you and me talking, I, I think that this will be a close game. So give me a toss here.
0: Now, this one may surprise people, but I think on the road at Alabama – That is a toss-up, Shane. I don't think Josh Heupel in this Tennessee has any fear of Alabama. doesn't mean they'll win, but Mm -mm. I think they'll give them a run for their money just like they did two years ago with a severely, severely disadvantaged roster compared to Alabama. I think these rosters are much closer to each other now. And, uh, yes, it'll be a revenge game for Alabama. I get that, but mm, they've lost revenge games. Last season was a revenge season. They lost a couple games that year.
1: I can't believe I said I hate Florida, you know? I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Should I edit that out? Nope. <laughs> I I've, I feel bad because I'm getting into it, Mike. You could tell the orange blood is flowing now, and it just came out. You know, I shouldn't have said it, and I apologize, Gator fans, but you got to remember, before SEC podcast, it was just Tennessee balls for me. <laughs> and there has been times that – I, I I will never forget some of the worst games I ever attended was against the Florida Gators, and they killed us. You know what I'm saying? Like, not beat us. Like, put in the backup quarterback and just <laughs> ran all over us, you know? So so I apologize. That was just a little PTSD kicking in. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So Alabama toss, going to Alabama here. Uh, I'm with you, Mike. I, I, I think, you know, you beat them last year. We don't know the quarterback situation there in Alabama. There's a lot of question marks on that side of the ball. But you look at what Hopple's done since he's been in Knoxville. He goes down there the year before last. and makes it a ball game. Say whatever you want. And then th- this last year, it beats him. So, yeah, I mean, that's 50-50, man. Coin toss.
0: Mm. And then, so the only one I have is a likely loss, even though it is at home, Shane. Georgia coming to town. Second to last weekend of the season should be an epic showdown. Could decide the SEC East. Could decide a spot in a college football playoff. It could be that big of a game. Uh, any disagreement with that?
1: No, I mean they got they got Apple's number. Uh, three losses already, and and just just a just a terror, you know. So I have no <laughs> problems with you putting a loss here.
0: All right, so let's predict. The schedule, Shane, game by game as Tennessee homers. And, again, we already kind of referenced it, but Virginia, it is in Nashville, so not in Neyland Stadium, but a huge favorite the Vols are against one of the, the worst teams in the Power Five last year. Tennessee, give me a win for Virginia.
1: Yeah, I'm with you here, Mike. This one, Virginia, like you said, worst team. In, it's the ACC, right? They're at ACC yeah. still. I can't tell who's in that <laughs> conference anymore, but – you know they're really bad. There's no reason this should be a ball game. Uh, this should be an absolute bloodbath here. I, and and I the think kickoff I, for the Joe Milton Heisman race.
0: I said win for Virginia. I mean, obviously against Virginia. Yeah, I hope, I, got you. I hope you got that. <laughs> All right, Austin P. Again, easy. I mean, this is one of those Shane where they like come out and they score a touchdown on the first play. There, at least that's what they have been doing under Josh Hypo. I mean, they could score seventy points in this game.
1: Yeah or, or yeah, you saying Austin P scores first? No, no, no. Saying? I'm saying oh.
0: Tennessee under hypo. I mean, my God, they they take no time to score on these poor teams.
1: I know, but they, they, this is kind of a weird game. You got Florida Gators the following week, so it also does feel like one of those like you let Austin get that first one in, and then you open up the <laughs> floodgates. But no, this this is going to be. An absolute... I don't think Austin
0: is going to score a touchdown. I really don't.
1: You're probably right, Mike. I'm not going to argue with you here. (laughs) I mean, seriously. I I hope. Here's what I hope in in this game. Actually, the first two games is that we start getting some of these younger players involved. So, you know I mean? Because it is tough to break into that wide receiver core because the way Hopple runs. It is tough to get you know, into that starting rotation with that offensive line, you know. But these games right here gives those kids, those younger kids, opportunity to prove themselves. So, uh, very interesting game, even though Tennessee's going to beat them real bad.
0: Right. I mean, I basically think the first two weeks, Shane, the the plan is right after training camp, obviously, to get Nico in for the entire second half of both of these. I mean, that's yeah. that's how – that would be my game plan.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it sells tickets, Mike. Don't forget, this is show business, baby.
0: (laughs) All right, so at Florida, week three, big, big showdown. I mean, Florida will have already traveled to Utah. If they they beat Utah like they did last year, this is going to set up a huge game. Could be college game day. I mean, it could be that level of anticipation. If both these teams are undefeated, could be a season-defining game for both. Tennessee at Florida. You've got no respect for your most hated team in the country. I had no idea you felt this way about them <laughs> Gators. But uh, I will say win for Tennessee, but I think that in my mind says a little bit more about Florida and where huh? I think they are. But uh, I will never count the Gators out in a swamp. I mean, I'm I'm thinking like a one-point ball game. I think it goes right down to the wire.
1: Well, Mike, uh, agree to disagree. I think you know the thing with the Florida Gators is again they got a tough ass schedule right out of the gate. You know, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's a real shot that they're licking their wounds by the time knock Tennessee balls get down there. So, um, and 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 I'm not saying that to to bash on Florida here, but. This also does feel like a program that is going to get better as the season progresses. So if you have Florida at the end, maybe we've got ourselves a better ball game like last year. But I don't think so right this early in the season. I think Tennessee just too tough to get under control there. And uh, I think this is a – I don't want to say pick your score game, but I, I say this is multi-scores <laughs> here, brother. Tennessee balls make it rain down there in Gainesville.
0: Oh, man, the, the Gator fans have just clipped that
1: up. They, they cannot <laughs> wait to post this Saturday. Mike, they already left, Except, man. They that, as, soon as, they heard, as soon as they heard Tennessee show is on, they're like, ah, oh, shit, they're not talking about Florida yet. All right, I'll be on tomorrow. So,
0: <laughs> All right, next game, Shane, UTSA. And this may be the highest-ranked team Tennessee's played up to this point in the season. In fact, that magazine I looked at was right. Preseason top 25, I can't tell you anything about it. They said they got a good quarterback. Uh, I know Jeff Trailers, the head coach, former Arkansas assistant, but Tennessee's winning this one. You know what? Oh, yeah, the old roadrunners. They're going to be hitting
1: <laughs> the road early on that one, Mike, because <laughs> this one again, another. And that's it. That's what I love about it. We're building momentum. Tennessee at this point, easily top ten team, I would imagine, coming mm-hmm. into that South Carolina matchup.
0: Yep. Well, all right, let's get to that one then, Shane. South Carolina, that's a game. Both these fan bases are dying to see revenge factor, so much trash talk, and they yeah. won't be playing, we've come to find out, in the 2024, unless they meet in the SEC championship game. So uh, this is going to be for bragging rights for two years, Shane. Yeah. Tennessee, South Carolina, Neyland Stadium, Josh Heupel, Shane Beamer, a lot on the line, Shane, for Momentum of both of these programs, South Carolina's got a ridiculous schedule, the first half. If they win this one, they could go on a serious run. To be- They could beat everybody on the back half of their schedule. Oh, yeah. So uh, oh, yeah. I, this is an imperative game. But I got to go with the falls, (laughs) man, after letting that one up last year. I mean, if they cannot get up for this game, something's horribly, horribly wrong.
1: Mike, it will not be hard to find motivation for anyone to play in this game. You know, you can turn on the tapes. You could turn on the social medias. You know, South Carolina up to this point is just, I mean, they just enjoyed that parade, and they should, Mike. I mean, it was a hell of a matchup. They beat the hell out of us. South Carolina is uber talented. I'm I'm not knocking them here, Mike, but this game became personal. And if if Heupel's shown you anything, I mean, he's he's a football player. You know he's he does not forget. Look what he did with uh, Eli. You know, after making fun of them Tennessee Volunteers all publicly and 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 getting on to us about our, our endeavors with the NCAA, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> look what look what happened. He didn't turn it off. If this game, I'm telling you, brother, right now, if this game, if if the balls get up early, they will not stop. Heupel will do his damnedest to hang 70 points on these guys. I'm telling you right now, I could feel it in my bones. And the volunteer fans will sit in the stands to the very last second and enjoy every ounce of that game, brother. I'm telling you, I've never wanted to beat a team so bad in my life because not just because they ruined their college football playoff <laughs> shots last year, but the fact they still remind me every single day, Mike, this game's personal. It almost feels like it's more personal than – it's like Florida games growing up, you know. Now it's, it's turned into a South Carolina matchup. So, without further ado, Mike, this is going to be an easy one right here. Give me 70 points for them
0: volunteers. <laughs> All right, how about the next one, Shane? Texas A&M, tricky game. And i got to be honest with you, Shane, I'm kind of leaning towards A&M. At least I was here. Now, things could certainly go wrong for A&M. Maybe we're hyping them up a little too much. Neyland's a rough place. Tennessee will have two weeks to prepare. A&M will be coming off the Alabama game. Yep. If they lose to Alabama, they could be hurting, or maybe it just helps them lock into that focus to get ready for Tennessee. I don't know. I mean, I I like AM's advantage Shane with their D-line against Tennessee's offensive line. I like their possible advantage with their receivers against Tennessee's secondary. So, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty torn on this one Shane, but this is a Tennessee show. I'm giving it to their balls. <laughs> Again, this this is a true coin toss. Would not surprise me if AM wins it, but uh Saturday night probably, Neyland Stadium, give me the Vols.
1: Yeah, Mike. I mean, this Texas A&M, Alabama, back-to-back, this is a tough one, dude. This is going to be a tough two-game sled here. And, and you know, I I look at A&M, and, and it's hard not to, to fall in love with their defensive line. It's hard not to fall in love, hell, with just their defense in general. You know, if anybody's able to slow down this hopple attack, you'd think it would be those guys. And then on the flip side of the coin, we're like, okay, well, you know who's got better receivers than Tennessee? Texas A&M. I'm saying it right now. These guys are absolutely loaded. Sunday talent. And and I'm looking like, but do they figure it out? You know? Does Texas A&M truly figure it out? And I can't, I can't say yes or no because they didn't. They haven't yet. So right. until that happens, Mike, I'm going to give Vols the edge here since it's at home. Give me the Vols. Close game right here, but uh, still undefeated. All
0: right, so if we're right, Shane, they're going to be going undefeated to Bryant-Denny Stadium. College game day destination, perhaps. Alabama very well could be undefeated. They could have a Mm -hmm. loss or two. I don't know. They got a tough schedule in the early with Texas and Texas A&M as well. So we'll see how that plays out. But a little bit of a revenge factor. I mean – This is going to be an epic, epic showdown, Shane. The Tennessee Alabama series has been a very streaky series. Mm -hmm. Seems like whoever's on top stays on top for at least a couple of years. And I've kind of talked myself into this one, Shane. Maybe I'm I'm just the orange is getting into my blood a little too much here, but I don't know. I, I just don't have the respect for Alabama. At least, not, at least not on this. Not until we get to the Alabama preview one. But I just don't have the respect for them that a lot of people have. And I'm hearing people like Kurt Herbstreit. Did you see this the other day, Shane? I think he was on Pat McAfee. He said, I haven't even dug into my previews, but I'm picking Alabama to win it all. And that's kind of the – if you're going to pick Alabama, that's what I expect to come out of your mouth. I've not done my homework. Yeah. I'm just picking it because it's Nick Saban and the dynasty, and I don't do my homework. That's what I think, because I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the greatest coach of all time, but clearly there has been a drop-off, and it's been evident for years. And just look at what they they got at quarterback and offensive coordinator, and I don't care that they got all this recruiting class because te- Texas A&M just signed the best class of all time and went five and seven. So yeah. you can't sell me on that either. Tennessee, two years in a row, Shade. Give me a win <laughs> on the road at Alabama. Again, remember, they were – I think they were up in the third quarter two years ago and they their team was that was a seven win team against Alabama that uh you know went to the national championship game.
1: Mike, 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 Mike. You know, I, I look at Alabama and, and what concerns me with them is this defense is legit, brother. I, I'm telling you, I saw it in the spring game. This is gonna be a fun, exciting defense. To watch, I'm, I'm, there's going to be some shutouts, man, and I haven't seen a defense like this since the Georgia days a couple of years ago. Hell, maybe even last year. I guess. Hell, that's what Georgia always does, you know. I guess, but but I I say all that to say this: it feels like Alabama is kind of getting back to their roots, man, back to when they were dominating college football and not just beating teams like Tennessee, but just demolishing them, you know, just crushing their souls. Because when you looked across, you you, you remember back in the day we said the red team and the orange team, well, you know, it to, to to lighten the load so we don't worry about that big A that's sitting there. Well, I think they've kind of done that to themselves. They've again they've they've come down to the pack with the rest of us here. And the kids that are on that Tennessee roster are not scared of Alabama like we were growing up. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. last year, not only did they beat them, but the year before they went toe-to-toe with them. So why would they think year three that they should be worried about this program? Well, I'll tell you why, Mike, because they never lose at home, Mike. You know what I'm saying? That's one of the things. You look at last 10 years, Alabama's lost like two games or three games at home. It mm-hmm. just never really happens. Until this year. (laughs) (laughs) I've already bought my cigar, and I can't wait to smoke it again. Give me another victory for the Tennessee Volunteers.
0: (laughs) So, hey, we can't overstate this one, too, Shane. Again, we know Tennessee fans shock Kentucky up as a win, but it's in Lexington. It's arguably the biggest game on their schedule every year, whether they want to admit it or not. Tennessee coming to town, we think Kentucky would be much improved. But if we're saying they're beating A&M, they're beating Alabama on the road. I mean, trap potential for sure. But aside from that, you know, aside from another South Carolina from last year performance, Tennessee's coming home with some bourbon from
1: Lexington, (laughs) don't you think? Well, Mike, you know, again, the emphasis on this show is to go full fanboy. Which I don't typically do. I mean, obviously, I allude to Tennessee balls and stuff like that. But when I'm when I'm viewing a schedule out like this, I mean, how can you not daydream for a second of the best case scenario? Mm-hmm. So when I do these wins and losses and tosses and all that stuff, I'm basing it on the best case scenario that Joe Milton is legit, right. that this offensive line gets it together, that these running backs mold and and some new players emerge on the defense and this team is better than they were last year you know so that's that's kind of how i view this schedule so when i'm looking at kentucky man if we're if we're hitting on all cylinders there's no reason we should lose to the big blue nation now i will say this and i've said it on the last show uh when we were talking about kentucky Kentucky is super talented. This is a better program than we've seen in in the past. But again, similar to Tennessee, we're 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 imagining that all these pieces come together all automatically and at the same time. You know that mm-hmm. that yeah, that this quarterback takes off. That that uh rate that Davis, you know, is is an instant impact like rodriguez last year you know that the defense stays strong and that these receivers you know that cohen the dance starts moving around again i mean that's that's a whole bunch of what ifs and if i'm over here as a vol fan and i'm thinking optimistically there's no reason we should lose to kentucky so without further ado mike (laughs) The bourbon bet is coming back home. I've already had people reach out, man. I've already had reach out. So it's it It's almost time to start setting these bourbon bets up, Mike. And I'm all in. And I can't wait to drink some of that fine Kentucky bourbon.
0: <laughs> all right. So UConn at home again. Jim Mora did a hell of a job up there, but get the hell out of here, yeah. Jim Mora. You're going this on with all This ladies a basketball. Get <laughs> out of here. <laughs> At Missouri, trap game, Shane. Trap Missouri game. They played yep. Tennessee pretty well last year, and this was when Tennessee was on a roll playing for a, a berth in the college football playoff. But uh, any concern that uh, Heupel ran up the score and Missouri's going to be fired up and want to pound him And, and you know, wh- wh- I think, Clearly we'd go Tennessee on this one but uh what's the percentage you think Missouri pulls off an upset here
1: I say I mean I I worry about Missouri Missouri's my 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 baby I mean you know what I'm saying I'm, I'm mm-hmm. I've been the one of the first ones out here to tell you you got to pay attention to these guys because they're going to win some serious games and they're going to catch some of these big dogs off off guard and Tennessee is primed for that because mm-hmm. again they got Georgia the following week so, I would say 30%, 35% odds right now that Mizzou upsets Tennessee. But, again, you know, this is optimal Tennessee. So, I, I don't think that you can lose to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I don't think that you could lose to them. But this is a team that you definitely can't overlook.
0: hmm So, the biggest game of the year, Shane, Georgia Comes to town. I know I have said college game day a couple times, but surely this will probably be a, a legit game day, particularly if Tennessee does it this well, which this may be even too high. But if they're undefeated and Georgia's likely going to be undefeated, I mean, epic, epic showdown. They may just cancel the SEC championship and move it to Knoxville November 18th. Shane, <laughs> if this happens, Tennessee, Georgia, Give me the balls to lose to Georgia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Mike, you know, I'm glad it's in Knoxville so these guys can see what a loud stadium looks like, you know. <laughs> Just let them soak it up because it will be loud. Probably be checkered, you know. It's just going to be an, an an event. It's going to be an absolute event. Lee Corso and crew will be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, SEC, uh, you know. Oh, uh, uh, uh Finebaum may even be up there. I mean, they're just all going to show up to this game, brother. But I will say, I worry the most about the Georgia Bulldogs because even on our best days, we had <laughs> we had a tough time. Moving the damn ball against this team, Kirby will have these guys dialed in, and as much as I'd love to say volunteers go undefeated, this is going to be the one that gets us, brother. I'm just not convinced that we can beat them. I think we keep it close. I think we keep it closer than we did last year, but give me Georgia here,
0: yeah, it almost feels like Shannon, this would be you know a bad season if it happens, but it's almost like Tennessee you're better off being like six and four when this game comes because then george will be like oh yeah tennessee's done let's not lock in on them yeah maybe you maybe you fool them maybe you lull them to sleep a la missouri last year rather than being 10 and 0 going in this matchup they're gonna be jacked up help they'll, they'll probably be you know kirby probably be paying off the playoff committee rank tennessee number one like he did last year so we can go out there so i can get my guys fired up to uh crush the big orange you know what
1: Oh yeah, man. I mean, it's <laughs> Kirby. Kirby's a, his own dude, man. And I've, I, I, I love coaches that are so dialed in. And and maybe that that bites him later, you know. Just being too, maybe too laser focused. But as of right now, I, these pregame speeches and shit, man. And, I'm not a Georgia fan, but I'd want to walk. I'd run a run through a brick wall. You know what I'm saying? I don't even <laughs> yeah. run. <laughs> yeah, you know? but like I'm afraid that if I don't, Kirby will be mad at me. So you know, th- this this is an absolute dude, and and uh, Georgia until they show a flaw, you know, I it's, they're creating a dynasty down there. So mm-hmm. uh, still going to be a, a hell of a matchup. So Vanderbilt at home, obviously. We'd pick a win but in there. if they right? win, Mike, if mm-hmm. they win, oh, my God, could you imagine? <laughs> I I thought Alabama – which one? I don't know. Alabama's pretty special. Pretty mm-hmm. special. But beating Georgia would be pretty damn awesome too. Yeah. No, I I think you –
0: what you were about to ask me you've already asked me once or twice on yeah. this show this this year <laughs>
1: which one well, if georgia okay so tennessee wins on a last second field goal against mm-hmm. georgia mm-hmm. which is a bigger win the alabama Total game job. last year or georgia, really okay two time champion yeah absolutely okay yeah so
0: vanderbilt obviously we're going to pick a, that's a home game win 11 and 1 That'd be a yeah. one hell of a year. Even that'd be a slightly a step up from last year, but it's achievable. You know, if it, it, things got to click right, this is you know, there's games over there we overlooked could very well be losses. So certainly not a guarantee. But let me let me ask you the last thing before we we close this one out, Shane. Most important games for the Vols. I I got two at the top of my list, and it's it's that Florida game that you're just completely disrespected for some reason. It's in the swap. I don't think Tennessee can have a magical season if they lose to Florida. I think that kind of resets expectations, and, and I don't want to say doubts set in, but some doubts. You know, Joe Milton, there'll be talk. Can he really do this? Is it time to go to Nico? There, there'll be a lot of narratives, and Billy Napier and company yeah. will get a lot of momentum if they upset Tennessee in the swamp. So that is number one on my list, but I, you cannot overlook Texas A&M either, Shane, because I think – not that you can't lose to A&M and turn around and beat Alabama on the road, but I think that's very, very difficult. And if you drop to A&M and Bama, which that's not a stretch. These are two outstanding yeah. teams. Maybe, Maybe two of the top five, top three most talented teams in the country. If you lose to both of them and then you go on the road to Kentucky – there is a real chance you're on a three-game slide there exiting yeah. Lexington. So that's why I think that A&M game is the second most important. Got to win at home. You have to win your home games in the SEC to compete for championships, and it's all about finding ways to win on the road. That's that's the difficult part. But uh, I, I, what's your I, thoughts on those?
1: Well, I'm going to go a little different here. Um, I'm going to – Kentucky's the first one for me just because of, of placement. Um you know you're you're coming off like you said A and M. That's not a guaranteed I mean hell you could lose that one, you could lose Bama, then you got Kentucky there. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times if you have that little streak of of negative just output, you're sometimes you you, you have a dud when you go like away from campus. So I mm-hmm. I don't know. That that one right there scares me a little bit. Because even if you beat A and M and lose to Bama, you know it's still going to be just that natural hangover effect, and and that can linger for a couple of games, and you can't, just can't afford it with with these uh, with these Wildcats because they're pretty damn good. Yep. But the last one for me, Mike, would be Mizzou, um, right there before Georgia. Again, a team that you could easily overlook. Uh, it's it's a team that, you know, obviously we we beat them bad if you're looking at the it, scoreboard. But there was a moment in that in that game last year when I was like, shit, this, this team's pretty good. They're just not deep enough, you know. Well, right. they're deeper this year. So that's, that's what concerns me uh, because that secondary can lock down this Tennessee offense. So those are the two. Uh, Alabama, Georgia, you're going to put those up there. Even Texas A&M, it's like, hey, I hope we win, you know. I right. hope we beat these guys. But Kentucky and Mizzou, Vol fans are expecting to win, which would hurt even more, similar to that South Carolina, South Carolina game last year. Uh, so those those are the two that I've got circled.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, buddy, hey, another fall camp preview series in the book. Got anything before we hop off the line? No, man. This is uh, well, this is fun. We should do it again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: uh, all right, well, I, I – uh, yeah, <laughs> a per- perfect place to get it. Uh, all right, buddy, I appreciate you. As always, I appreciate all the cousins out there for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one.
1: All right, see you guys. Go Vols. <laughs> hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.